Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. We are in a series on the subject of virtues. We've been going through the different virtues that are personified in Jesus and that are available to us. And I pray that as we go through this series that you receive, internalize, and integrate these virtues into your heart and your life. Can you say amen? Will you stand with me one more time? We're going to read the Word of God together. Two scriptures, one story, two scriptures, and then we'll see what God has to say. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16. What's happening here is David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city of Jerusalem. And he's celebrating, and the people are celebrating. And the Bible says in verse 16... As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, her name's pronounced Michal, uh, you would, you, you'll know that once you go to Israel, so Michal, <laughs> the daughter of Saul looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. She despised him in her heart. I want to read one more verse in the book of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says this, Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How many people want the grace of God in their life and on their life? Humility is the avenue to the grace of God. Today we're going to talk about the virtue of humility. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now, we receive your word. God, we know that you are going to challenge us. You're going to change us. And most importantly, God, I I believe that your spirit is going to work in us. So we give our mind to you right now. We give our preconceived notions, what happened in this week. We give it all to you. And today we receive your word in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, all God's people said, amen, amen. You can have a seat. Today I want to speak to you on the subject of humility and how a prideful heart cannot receive the Spirit of God, but a humble heart becomes God's home. The prideful heart cannot receive the Spirit of God, but a humble heart draws the eyes of God. Pride is all about lifting yourself up. But humility is allowing God to do it. His way, his intention, and his timing. And I want to juxtapose these two things. The vice of pride and the virtue of humility. We find this story in 2 Samuel between Michal and David. We find, uh, we f- we find ourselves in the middle of a, a rise and fall narrative. And Americans love rise and fall stories. All of our top movies are rise and fall stories. From Goodfellas to The Godfather, it's the rise and the fall. And humility is the rise, but pride always begins the fall. And and I don't know why we love these rise and fall stories so much. Maybe because in America we're able to rise so quickly. It doesn't take generations to to rise. The the American dream enables people to rise quickly 
uh, sometimes in decades, sometimes in years. But we also see stratospheric rises, stratospheric falls. And there's always that crux in the movie, that turning point. There's always that moment where you know things are shifting from who they were to who they've become and are going to be. There's always that shift, that moment, almost like have you ever been on a on a, uh, a ride, like a roller coaster, and you're going right over the edge, but you hang for a moment? That's the crux. That's between who you were and who you're going to be, where you came from and where you're going. And, and, and that hang time, that, that, that moment, that shift, that's where we find Michal. And it's interesting, we, we, we've, we've seen this in the lives of people that, that have, have gone They've gotten too successful. They're too triumphant. They've, been, they've, they've gone too far, and they've lost touch with reality. George Carlin, the famous comedian, said, I knew I was in trouble when I bought a private jet to go tell jokes. That's when I knew things shifted. When Mike Tyson showed up with that white tiger, that, it was all over at that moment. There's the rise, there's the crux, then there's the fall. In this story with Mikal, We find her in this moment at the crux of her life where she's going to choose. Will she be humble or will she choose pride? Will she go with virtue or will she go with vice? And the Bible tells us we find her sitting in a window, sitting in a high place. And here, here's the thing about pride. Pride always positions you above everyone else. Pride's goal is to lift you higher than everything else. Why? Because pride is the idolatry of self. Hear me, it's a simple statement, but it's so true. Pride is the idolatry of self. We have an idol problem, just like all of our ancestors have had, except our idols They're not put on poles. They're not made anymore with human hands. Nobody's worshiping the head of an alligator or the form of a snake. The problem of our pride, our idolatry, is our self. We worship the human form, the the, the triumph, the accolades, the look, the body, the image. The the issue of, of our worship today is ourselves. Our thinking, our success, our comfort, what we've attained, it, it, it has the blessing, if we're not careful, can absolutely become a curse and pride can enter in and begin to position you above everyone else. And the essence of pride is man minus God, woman minus God. You think, well, we don't need him. I did this. I made it happen. I picked myself up by my bootstraps. I got it done. I got to work. I hustled hard. I, 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 I. And that's the problem of pride, is that it becomes consumed, obsessed with I. You have to understand that pride's ultimate goal is to lift itself above the Almighty. Not good enough, just above everyone and everything. Its ultimate goal is to lift itself above God. And and we see this in the law of first mention. The the very first sin we ever encounter in the Bible is the sin of pride. It is the original and the foremost sin. And the Bible says that pride was found in the heart of Lucifer, who was in heaven. and, And he was a worshiper. And he was in the anointing of God. But the Bible says he said in his heart, I... Five I wills. He says, I will ascend 
above the throne. I will exalt myself above the Most High. I will sit on the, on the mount of congregation. I will ascend above the heights. And lastly, he says, I will become like God. Wow. See, that's what pride tries to get you to do, is say you can do it on your own. You can make it happen. You're good enough. You got this. Pride, the operative word of pride is I. Five I wills. But the ultimate goal is to get you lifted up above everyone and everything. And this is where we find Mikal. She, she is in, she's in the heights. And she's looking down, the Bible says in the story, on the procession beneath her. David is bringing the presence of God into the city of Jerusalem. And she's looking and she's looking down on the people. And she's looking down on the king. And she's looking down on the ark, on the presence. Because if you're not careful... Pride will always cause you to look down on these three things. Given enough time, pride will always cause you to look down on people. You're above them. You know better. You are better. You think better. You're wiser. You got it, got it solved. You got it settled. You look down on people. But if you're not careful, it also cause you to look down on your leadership, on your authority. It causes you to look down on your king. And for her, it's not just her king. It's her husband. She's looking down on her headship, looking down on her covering, looking down on the one that she's called to love and to be with and to conquer with and live life with, but pride can even separate you from those that should be closest to you. Above the king, above the boss, above your leadership, above, above. But make no mistake, it doesn't stop there. Because sometimes we think, well, you know, yeah, well, these people don't get it, and my boss is a fool, and, and, and my husband has no clue what's going on, but God, the truth is, if you let pride culminate, it will also move you above the presence of God. Well, they didn't sing that song properly in that sermon, and then in this, in this church, and then that church, and they don't use King James, they only use New King James, and pretty soon this, seriously, it could become a religious spirit where no religion is good enough. And, 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 and you're, you're above church, and you're above God's people, and, and, and eventually you become even so good that nobody knows God but you. But hear me, the ultimate, the ultimate goal of this thing is actually to get you above even God, where you are good on your own. Because pride's goal is to isolate you, separate you. She's missing the procession. She's missing the celebration. She's missing the party. She's isolated. She's separated. She's alone. And now she sits in the window of judgment. I know better. <laughs> I think better. I understand better. She sits in the seat of judgment, and, and, and she judges the procession going on below. The, the interesting thing about pride is it always lifts you up, but it only gives you a window into what's going on. So much as to say, pride always gives you small perspective. She's looking through a window. She's not living in the world. She's not with the people. She's not with the king. She's, she's observing, but not participating. And you have to be very careful about positions where you can observe and judge and criticize, but never have to participate. It's easy to point out all of the flaws, but you know when you got to put the thing together. It's one thing to watch someone else put together an Ikea dresser, but when you have to put the Ikea dresser together, there's no room for judgment. You know what I'm saying? You have to be very careful to not allow a critical spirit to get on you. The, the further you get above everyone else, the more 
The more opportunity you have to become arrogant, egotistical, and, and become a criticizer because it never has to meet reality. Pride pushes you away from reality. And so the ironic thing is you'll always be right because you never engage in the area where you can be wrong. Because that might bring some humility. Pride keeps you above, distant, separated, and always right. And, and what happens is you'll lose, you won't just lose touch with, with reality, you'll lose compassion. you lose compassion for people. But when you're... When you're in the middle of it and you're struggling too, when you're going through some things, when you're helping people, when you're believing with people, when you're praying with people, when you're living, you see my imperfections, your imperfections. Together we say we, we need God. We need God. We desperately need God. Humility says we need God. Pride says we're good. We need God. We're good. I mean, even if you look, this is, this is the problem of atheism. When you begin to reject God, you have to become God. You have to be right. And if you look at all of the premier atheists, and I don't mean to speak bad about them, but if you look at the premier atheists, they all stink of pride. You look at Hitchens, you look at Dawkins, you look at Harris, these people are extremely prideful. Why? Because you cannot say God does not exist without pride coming in and saying I'm above it all. I'm above it all. But humility says there's some there is one, there is some greater than I. There is still much to learn. There's still much to receive. There's still much to be involved with. I want to have compassion. I want to have forgiveness because I'm going to need some compassion. I'm going to need some forgiveness. I don't want to be distant from God's people. I want to be right down in here with you all, worshiping part of the procession. This is the beauty of church. Every Sunday, the word comes and, and it gives you a it widens your perspective. The Spirit of God enlarges your borders. It, 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 it makes your tent bigger. Pride makes your view narrower and narrower because no one is good enough. No one will live up. No one has an opinion you can accept more and more until eventually it will leave you isolated and alone and barren. And see, the problem with Mikal is that this sin is hereditary. She gets it from her father. And the truth is, we are all in this place. Our sin is hereditary. The sin entered into humanity through Adam and Eve, and it's, sin is something we're all going to have to struggle with. Sin is something we're all going to have to allow Jesus to, to pull out of us, to rescue us from. But, but this sin specifically is, heredity, her, her, uh, is hereditary. She has a predisposition to prideful jealousy. Why? Well, the Bible tells us. Her name's Michal, and the Bible keeps saying, daughter of Saul. I love the Bible because it lets you know something. Why does it keep saying this? If you read the chapter, it keeps saying, Michal, daughter of Saul. It's letting you know exactly what she, where she came from is what she's got on her. Saul, do you remember, struggled with prideful jealousy of David. After one of David's victories, the, they came out singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his tens of thousands. And the Bible says Saul heard it. <laughs> and he became jealous. And the Bible says he kept a jealous eye. From that moment on, he kept a jealous eye on David. And by the way, if you read the next chapter, there's an evil spirit that starts tormenting Saul because pride never comes alone. If you reject God, you reject his covering. And Saul, with his whole life, struggled with prideful jealousy against David. David. And he never conquered it. So now, 
Because he never dealt with his issue, now his daughter has to deal with that issue. Whatever you and I don't conquer, we will pass along down to our children. This is why it's so important to have the virtue of humility working in your life because you do not want to leave unconquered areas for your for your children and your lineage. You don't want to pass down sins to them. They're going to have enough of their own stuff to deal with. You don't want to add to their stuff your stuff too. And that's what Saul did because he never conquered his prideful jealousy. Now that seed is sown in the daughter. She heard it in the palace. She saw it in action. Now it's flourishing at a specific moment. Please, please hear me. Some of you have allowed or... or, Let me put it this way. Some of you have had seeds of pride sown into your life that are just now flourishing 10, 20 years down the line. And you didn't even know it was placed in there when you were a child. Maybe it's it's a hatred of men or a hatred of women that was placed there by your mother or your father, and you didn't even know because you were a child, but you heard it in the home. Maybe it's a hatred of another race, and you didn't even know you had that. Maybe it's something that you, you didn't know until you got married. And, and now you view your spouse like your parents viewed their spouse. And because the spirit of divorce was never conquered in them, now it wants to claim control over you. But you have to say, today is the day where I submit myself to Jesus. I break off the spirit of pride. I break off the seeds that were sown. I come under alignment. I submit under the blood. And I'm going to come after this thing so that this, child, so that this thing can't come after my children. It might take a Sunday. It might take a, a hundred Sundays. But make no mistake, this thing is not getting past me. This is the line. And what you're doing, just even by being here on Sunday, is so powerful because you're doing this. You are today coming to church in humility to get some things knocked off you, to get some things put in you so that your children won't be struggling with the things you're struggling with today. You're going to defeat some things so that your children don't have to deal with these things. Can you say amen? Amen. The Bible says Michal, like her father, she, she struggled with pride. She looked down on David and judgment. And then the Bible says, and so she despised him in her heart. She despised him. The birthplace of pride is always your heart. She despised him in her heart. See, that's the thing. Pride doesn't come from your mouth, doesn't come from your mind, doesn't come from others. It always, it always starts in the heart. When Satan began to say those five wills, the Bible says he said in his heart, I will. She despised him in her heart. And that's the thing about pride. It's why it's so subtle. It's why it's so sneaky. Because it can be hidden. It's within. It can be covered up. It can be pushed down. And that's why spiritual pride, dead religion, Oh, man, that can hide for a long time. It can hide in the church because you know what to do. You know when to lift your hands. You know when to smile. You know how to say brother. It can hide for a long time deep within. The Bible says she despised him in her heart. She hated what she saw. She despised the one that she was called to love. She despised the one that she she helped rescue his life. What happened? What's changed? She allowed the seed of resentment to go down deep, to be watered by entitlement, and eventually it flourishes into arrogance. 
Meanwhile, David is dancing. She's up there stewing. And David has no idea. David is dancing. Right? Because humility always brings freedom. I'm not concerned about how I'm being perceived. I'm not concerned about people's opinions. I'm not concerned about judgment. I'm not looking around making sure everything's good, everyone's all right. I'm, I'm me. He's humble and he's happy because finally the presence of God is in the city. I don't know if you've gone through some dry seasons in your life where you, you felt like I haven't felt the presence of God, but after you've gone through those desert seasons, when you find water, you are pumped. You are pumped. Church is awesome. Things are happening. Why? Because I've lived for so long without the presence. So now I'm going to celebrate. This is where David is at. He is happy. He is humble. He is excited. And then the Bible says, and he's blessing all the people. All the people with him get blessed because humility carries a blessing large enough to affect everyone else around you. Pride is I. Me, my. But humility says, I got enough for me and for you. You need encouragement? I can give it. You need, you need, you need prayer? I, I can pray. Do you need some accolades? I think you're doing a great job. Pride says, well, I've seen better. But humility says, you're doing good. In other words, there's enough. And, and, and what I think is so powerful is that David, David gets to be in this place. That's the place I want to be. I want to stay in the place of humility, and I want to be happy. I don't want all the traffic upstairs that comes with pride. Judgments and counterjudgments and narratives and cutting people down in my own head and making fun and mocking and thinking everyone's got everything wrong. And, and, and I, I really feel this. And I said this at first service. I've been thinking about this all week. I feel like my holy rebellion is to be happy. I really feel it's like my holy rebellion. I really feel like the whole world is trying to tell me how horrible thing, things are and how, and, and how difficult and it's only going to get worse. But I feel like, but I am in the presence of God and I'm with the people of God. So I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be good. Seriously. And David's handing out like rum cakes and bread. Like he's partying. And, and the Bible says, you know, give us this day our daily bread. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to have everything, but I know God's going to take care of me. So I'm going to be happy. Seriously, if gas goes to $16 a gallon, I want you to know. You're going to figure it out. You'll be good. We'll start a bus ministry. But we're going to be good because we're under the Almighty. I'm not going to be enraged. I'm not going to be critical. I'm not going to be angry. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to stay in humility. I'm not saying there won't be a fight, but it's easier when you turn off the news and you say, I'm going to stay with the people. I'm going to stay in the presence and make no mistake. That's what we do here. That's what we're going to do there. We're going to be with God's people in God's presence. That's eternity. So let's get started now. This is where David's at. And David's pumped. And David comes home with all of this bread and all of the cannolis. And he walks in, he thinks, he thinks, he thinks, you know, the party's going to continue. Yeah. He doesn't know what's going on upstairs. So he's walking in, babe, I got your favorite. It's from the temple. Holy cannolis. But Mikal, <laughs> she, 
she's got other plans. Because make no mistake, eventually pride comes out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So she despises, and her heart has become hardened towards her husband, and eventually it comes out. So when he shows up, she meets him, the Bible says, meets him at the front door, and she begins to mock him. She, and she says this, she says, oh, how the king of Israel honored himself today. Oof. It just got chilly. You feel it. I love that we get to read like a 4,000-year-old marriage fight in the Bible. Oh, how the king of Israel presented himself today. And then, <laughs> so first she mocks his position, his kingship. But then she starts making fun of him like more personally, you know, like more on the marriage side. And she's like, you know, you shamelessly exposed yourself in front of all the other girls. <laughs> There's layers. The hurt went deep. The pride went deep. And now it comes out. And she's mad on a lot of levels. She's mad at his kingship. She's mad at him as a husband. She despises him because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to go too deep into this, but if you think pride will only affect one area of your life, it's not true. When you let it in, it affects every area of your life. So she mocks his kingship, then she mocks him as a husband, and she makes fun of him. And, and you have to understand this. Pride, spirit of pride, it always manifests itself in mockery. This is going to help you make sense of the world. So when you hear a mocking tone, when people mock you, when you hear mockery, you've got to understand the spirit it's connected to is pride. It manifests itself in mockery. Oh, how the king. She's mad about the presentation because pride is obsessed with presentation. It could care less about what's going on on the inside, but it cares about how it's being perceived by others, by the opinions of others, the perception. It's all about presentation. Oh, how the king made a fool of himself today. And you know what pride moves you to do? And this is going to get a little bit deep here, but stick with me. What, pri what pride moves you to do is to mock your covering in order to tear it down. What pride does is says, if I can't control you, I'll mock you to bring you down onto my level. Does that make sense? What pride wants to do, and it doesn't, it doesn't, just, it doesn't mock people that you perceive as beneath you. It will mock the people you perceive as above you. Now, this is what it's really trying to do. What it's really trying to do is get you to mock your spiritual authority so that you remove your covering with your own voice. Her covering, it's her king, it's her husband, and she's mocking him. And the enemy's behind her saying, say more, say more. Because if she can tear down her covering, she's wide open for the enemy. This is why God, this is why the enemy wants you to mock the things of God, the people of God, the church of God, the pastor of God. He wants you to mock so that, so that when he tears, when you tear down with your own voice out of a spirit of pride, those things that should be covering you, now you're wide open to the enemy. This is why you have to be careful even to, you have to be careful about even mocking the things that you hate or you want to see changed. Like, like, you have to be careful if you are frustrated with leadership, if you're frustrated even maybe with the direction of the nation. Mockery comes from pride. Prayer comes from humility. Prayer is more powerful. Prayer is more potent. Prayer puts it in the hands of God. You hearing me? So she's tearing down her own covering with her voice. And, and, and now she's left wide open for the enemy to come and claim her. This is what 
This is what Aaron and Miriam did to Moses. After he was leading them in the desert, they came to him and they said, Do you, wait, you think you're better than us? And they began to declare, you're not better than us. Just because you were a leader, just because you feel you're chosen, you're not better than us. What were they doing? They were tearing down their brother because of a spirit of familiarity rooted in pride. They were tearing down their covering. Do you remember what happened? God shows up. God, God says, all right, I've got to kill you guys. That's my guy. You, he's your covering. You tore it down. I'm not going to let it happen. But thankfully, Moses wasn't operating in pride. Because if he was, he'd be like, God, get him. I mean, we, they've had it come for a long time. I remember they stole my juice box when I was eight. <laughs> Thankfully, Moses was a humble leader. And so even though they mocked him, he says, I still choose to cover them. This is what Jesus does with us. Though they mock Jesus, Jesus says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Moses comes before God and says, God, will you, will you protect them? And he restores the covering. God says, I'm, I, I, will, I will rescue their lives because of your covering. You have to be careful to not allow a spirit of pride to get in you, mockery to come out of you, that you tear down the very thing that God has set to bless you. And you do it with your own voice. Pride has a sound. Pride sounds like this. Psh. Any sentence that follows psh, is a prideful sentence. <laughs> so let me put a little bit more air in it. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Gotta roll the eyes. Ugh. <laughs> the worst is when you laugh. Ha! <laughs> 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 it's smug. Is arrogant. And anything that comes after those sounds comes out of a certain spirit. And when you hear those sounds coming out of you consistently, take that as an indicator that it's time to kill your flesh. It's time to confront your pride and bring it before God and say, God, was it hurt? Was it misunderstanding? Was it a seed sown by my parent? What got in here to make me react like that? Because I don't want to react to my spouse like that. I don't want to react to my kids like that. I don't want to react to those around me like that. You might think it's only to your boss or to people that don't matter. No, the truth is, if that pride gets in you, it will destroy the, the things closest to you. She wasn't just mocking her king. She was mocking her, her husband. And, and it's coming in to destroy the thing that she should hold most dear. And so if you hear those sounds, that's a time where it's, t- it's time to come close to the Holy Spirit. But David, he doesn't, he doesn't bite on the mockery, although I think he does throw a little, bit ja- a little jab in there. He, he says, after she says, oh, you, you, you know, you, <laughs> you've made a fool of yourself, he says, I wasn't dancing for you. I was dancing for God. And then he says, and God chose me. And then he throws a jab in there over your father. <laughs> you know it's a bad fight when you bring the in-laws into it. You know, he brings up her dead dad. Like, dude, <laughs> chill. And then above his, all of his house, not just your dad, everybody else. All your brothers, all your friends, cousins. <laughs> God chose me over all of them. <laughs> so you, you, David still has some work to do, you know. He says, God chose me. God chose me. 
And so I'm going to celebrate before the Lord. I, th- I think what David understands is that I think David is coming from a place of being chosen. It's so powerful. Like you can be humble when you know it wasn't from you. God chose me. I wasn't born into this. I wasn't the son of Saul. God found me. God chose me. I think David knew that the reason God chose him was because of his heart. He had a heart after God's own heart. What was one of the primary characteristics? It was a humble heart. It was a worshiping heart. And and he he was essentially saying, look, I'm not here because I got me here. I'm here because God found me. If you, if you would have been chosen like I was chosen, you would celebrate like I celebrate. If you would have came from what I came from, you'd worship too. I was in the field. I was forgotten by everyone. I was the lowest member of the lowest clan in all of the tribes of Israel, but God found me. My dad forgot me. My dad wanted nothing to do with me, but God found me. When I came up against Goliath, it should have been the end of me, but God saw me. When Samuel showed up, he went to anoint my older brother. No one was thinking about me, but God said, not him. Don't look at the outward. Don't look at the presentation. Don't look at the optics. Look at what I'm looking at. I want you to look right at the heart. It was a humble heart that drew the eyes of God. I worshiped in the field. I worshiped in the cave. Now, because I got a little bit of success, I'm going to stop worshiping? No, 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 no. I'm going to pass this test. And the truth is, many of you are going to have to go through multiple tests where you have to choose humility again and again. Not just once, but many times in your life, because sometimes it's easy to be humble when you're in the shepherd's field. But when you've been crowned king and given authority and given triumph and given blessings, then you might begin to believe that you made it happen. But here David is telling his wife, it was not me. I was bought with a price. It was by the grace of God that I'm here. If it wasn't for his grace and his mercy, I would have none of this. I would be nothing. What is he doing? He's staying in the position of gratitude because gratitude is the thing that will keep you humble and will fight the spirit of pride. One thing David had was a heart after God's own heart. His heart was humble. His heart was honoring. And this is why he received the inheritance. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God chose him over Saul because of humility. And so David doubles down. David said, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get even more undignified than what you saw. One translation says, I am going to become more humble and humiliated than even this. And if you think I was contemptible in your eyes before, just wait until you see what I'm about to do. And he even says, but, and you might despise me, but those, those, those girls in Israel, they're going to honor me. You might miss what you got, but other people are going to be able to honor because they don't have a familiar spirit. Just wait until you see what's going on. I'm going to become even more undignified than this. He doubles down. It's always... Whenever a, whenever a spirit of pride comes at you, don't apologize. Double down. Don't apologize for Jesus. Don't apologize for your walk. Don't apologize for who you are. Double down. Oh, is this bothering these evil spirits? I'm going to keep doing it. Whatever makes the enemy a- angry is an indicator of what pleases God. 
and I'm not, I'm not calling Michal the enemy, but the spirit that she allowed to operate in her was against her and against David. And so David says, I'm not going off that. I'm doubling down. It reminds me of that, that great story in the Revolutionary War with Captain John Paul Jones. And uh, he's a, a naval captain, and his whole ship was burned and torn apart, and they were sinking, and the British, the British signaled him, are you prepared to surrender? And he said, surrender? I've not yet begun to fight. Currently sinking. And he says, I'm doubling down. And then in the end, he, he won. This is amazing. David's saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. But baby you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm doubling down. It's a beautiful display of how to live because humility must be chosen. And David says, I've made my choice. I'm going with God and I'm staying humble. Humility must be chosen. Pride, it's natural. It springs up naturally in your heart. It's made of flesh. Something you're always going to have to fight, but humility has to be pursued, has to be received, it has to be chosen. Do you remember the story when Jesus' ministry is growing and they brought the report to John the Baptist and they said, John, many of your disciples are leaving you and they're going with Jesus and his ministry is growing. What do you have to say about that? John could have gotten prideful. And he could have said, well, I was here first. I'm a prophet too, you know. I'm not chopped liver. I got something to say. He could have gotten prideful, but he chose humility. And he said, he must now become greater. And I must now become less. He must now become more. He must now become glorified. And I must now begin to fade into the background. He chose humility. If you're able to honor others, God will be able to honor you. Remember when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus looked around, past the disciples, and he found a child. And he said, if you want to be the greatest, you got to become like the least. You got to become like this little child. You got to pursue innocence, pursue humility. And then Jesus goes on to say, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. If anyone would be first, he must become the last and become the servant of all. If you're incapable of becoming last, you will be disqualified from becoming first. Remember when Jesus entered Jerusalem? See, this story of David, it's a foreshadowing of the true story. It wasn't just about David entering with the ark. It was about Jesus entering Jerusalem. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the Bible tells us he came lowly and humble and he was riding on a donkey. Even more than that, on a colt of a donkey. The king of the universe entered the door, entered humanity through the door of humility. Jesus models it for us. And the true meaning of this story is really this. Will you receive God? How, how will you respond to God? Because he'll never present himself in a way that's over the top. He won't speak to your pride. He usually will come in a way that you're going to have to humble yourself to receive him. How will you respond to God? The, the, the people that saw Jesus come riding in on a donkey, they, couldn't, they could not handle it. The, 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 the religious leaders, the pride, they, they joined Michal at the window and they judged Jesus. They judged him. But if you're able to say, Hosanna, here comes the king, you'll be worthy of joining the procession of heaven. Will you receive the Lord or will you reject the Lord? It's about your heart. Will you choose humility or will you allow pride to manifest in your heart? A prideful heart 
can never receive the Spirit of God, but a humble heart becomes God's home. So my challenge to you, church, today is that you humble your heart. You humble your heart and you receive God. Maybe there's an area in your life where you've allowed pride to come in and maybe it's made an area of your life rock hard, an area of your, of your heart. Maybe it's hard towards people. Maybe it's hard towards your spouse. Maybe it's hard towards an ex. Maybe it's hard towards your parents. And you just think, you just think well, it's because of this, that. Make no mistake, that will eventually come out of you. You need to take that area. You need to submit it to Jesus. Maybe you've been even fighting with faith and you just say, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not about this or that. And you, maybe, you have, um, maybe you've had poor experiences with church or with God and you've allowed that to harden your heart. Today's the day where you, you have to give that over to God and say, I'm not going to be your judge, God. I'm going to allow you to come and just restore me and forgive me and open my eyes, open my heart. The Bible says that God will take your hearts of stone and he'll give you a brand new heart. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.